1: The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to elders
2: past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting
1: Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9.
3: This is the Informer Daily for the 17th of April 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, the COVID 19 update. The police watchdog report into last year's Hares and Hyenas raid is out, and we discuss some of the impacts. And Nicholas Commander Sandry has a book review of Flames by a debut Tasmanian author. But first, this update.
0: A Tasmanian healthcare worker who tested positive for COVID 19 is being accused by Prime Minister Scott Morrison of lying to authorities about their movements, putting the community in the Northwest at risk. Morrison says cases like this demonstrate why Australia needs a COVID 19 tracking app. The app would ensure all people who've come into contact with a positive case are notified immediately so they can quarantine themselves and get tested. Tasmania's northwest is currently facing an outbreak which has caused the closure of two hospitals and forced quarantine of around 5,000 people. Qantas and Virgin will be supported financially by the federal government to the tune of $165 million in order to keep domestic flights running through the pandemic. The support package will provide for 220 flights a week for eight weeks along 60 routes. These flights will allow the continuation of essential travel. Australian Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton says China must answer questions and justify their response to the initial outbreak of COVID-19. Speaking with Channel 9, Dutton made claims the pandemic will change the relationship all nations have with China and encouraged the Chinese government to be more transparent for the sake of the families of the dead. American President Donald Trump has revealed the United States' three stage plan to lift social restrictions and restart the economy, which will be followed on a state by state basis once states have recorded 14 consecutive days of slowing infection rates. The plan will see America's economy reopening well before COVID 19 is eradicated in the states, a risk Trump justifies by claiming a crippled economy is as hazardous to one's health as COVID 19. The death toll in the U.S. stands at 32,600, and case number have not yet begun to slow down. Brazilian president Jair Bolsonaro has fired health minister Luiz Henrique Mandetta for supporting shutdowns and social distancing over the economy. Bolsonaro has been criticized for not taking COVID-19, which he calls a little flu, seriously enough for wanting to reopen the Brazilian economy despite the infection rates continuing to increase. Brazil now has confirmed over 30,000 cases of COVID-19 and recorded 2,000 deaths. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian says school children should expect the first two weeks of Term 2 to be the same as the last weeks of Term 1, meaning they will be encouraged to stay at home. More details about the coming school term from week three onwards will be revealed later. It's expected further changes will be put in place, but it's unlikely students will be returning for face-to-face lessons. And Lockie Hunter, the vice-captain of AFL club the Western Bulldogs, has been fined for breaking Victoria's self-isolation rules and will likely face drink-driving charges after allegedly crashing into multiple parked cars. Club President Peter Gordons said the club is yet to speak with Hunter, but believes these actions are a result of him not handling the pressures presented by COVID-19.
3: This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Last May, Victoria Police entered a residence above the Hares and Hyenas Bookshop in Fitzroy in Melbourne and arrested a man, causing him some injuries. The Police Watchdog Agency has released their report, and Dean Akiri has some of the details.
4: Police, who went to the incorrect address, wrongfully arrest a man and seriously injured him in the process, have been cleared of using unreasonable force by Victoria's corruption watchdog. But the independent, broad-based Anti-Corruption Commission investigation into the May 2019 raid found the officers did not adhere to the Human Rights Charter during the arrest. Early in the morning of May 11th, Nick Dimopoulos was sleeping above the LGBTIQA Plus bookstore Hairs and Hyenas in Fitzroy. He was woken by police, tackled and handcuffed as he tried to flee. During the arrest, Mr Dimopoulos's arm was broken and his shoulder ripped from its socket. Officers had mistaken him for a carjacker that they had been pursuing. This shocking raid on hares and hyenas raised major questions about Victoria's police procedures and unearthed continued distrust that many individuals of the LGBTIQA communities have with the police force. In May 2018, here on The Informer, we unpacked the findings of a report exploring how Victoria Police can meet the needs of all of our LGBTI communities, as well as building greater awareness within the force, after the report revealed that 95% of those surveyed said they wouldn't report a prejudice-motivated crime to the police. It was one year before the raid on hares and hyenas. The Priority Commissioner's Division's Commander, Stuart Bateson, joined us here on The Informer to discuss that report. And here's what he had to say.
5: I I guess uh, it surprised me in particular that only, you know, just under half of of young people said they'd report victimisation to us, that they would trust us enough to do that. I would have thought that would be higher. So, yes, that did surprise me. Uh, But when I talked, Uh, to community members, uh, it was no surprise to them. Uh, So I think that's the importance of doing research like this to make sure uh, that we understand the issues of the community and and then respond to them. Because we we perhaps thought we were doing a little bit better than that uh, and it shows we've got some real work in
4: front of us. Exactly one year later, Nick Demopoulos was sleeping above the LGBTIQA plus bookshop when the police entered and fearing a homophobic attack, he tried to flee. He was arrested and in the process his arm was broken and shoulder ripped from its socket. The week after the raid here on The Informer, we aired this interview with Victoria Police Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius.
5: Well, look, uh, I I can't go into the details of precisely what happened because, quite rightly, that's the subject of of an investigation by our Professional Standards Command, which Mm -hmm. is being oversighted by IBAC. But I do want to take the opportunity to, to, one, say... Look, absolutely clear to us in Victoria Police that um, our attendance at uh, the bookshop was was a mistake on our part. Um, The uh, arrest of uh, Nick uh, was certainly a a mistake on our part. Um, And I'm also very concerned, in fact appalled, by the extent of the injuries that Nick suffered as a result of his uh, his engagement with us. So... um, I just want to be really clear that Victoria Police is putting its hand up and saying, uh, look, we we got that wrong um, and that we should acknowledge that and so sorry for it. So, look, I can provide a bit of context and I did some of that this morning, but I'm keen to just provide some reassurance to your um, listeners. Very clear to me uh, uh, from the outset that this was a case of mistaken identity. Uh, And that this was also uh, a case of us a mistaken association uh, of an offender that we were looking for uh, with the address that police entered. And um, what was happening was our people were in the midst of a very dynamic situation. They were looking for an active offender who'd been engaged in some very serious criminal conduct over the preceding days, including on that night some extremely dangerous driving in a stolen vehicle. So I've got no uh, queries about how police came to be in the vicinity of the Heron Hound um, early on Saturday morning, uh, but obviously what transpired from there uh, is and ought to be the subject of rigorous investigation because um, the decision to enter the property, um, the decision then to uh, pursue Nick um, uh, and then the way in which he was taken into custody with him suffering such a serious injury, they are all things that, quite rightly, should be the subject of rigorous investigation. And mm. that is certainly occurring. Um, in fact, uh, just before I came on air to you today, I, I touched base with Russell Barrett, who runs our Professional Standards Command, and he's confirmed with me that the investigation is proceeding, that mm. I back. Uh, have been notified uh, and that they're undertaking active oversight in relation to the work that Professional Standards Command have been doing to date.
4: IBAC Commissioner Robert Redlick's report into the incident released on Thursday found the force used in restraining Mr Demopoulos was not disproportionate to the officer's objectives of arresting him. Robinson Gill Lawyers, who represent event promoter Nick Demopoulos and the owners of Hairs and Hyenas, in a press statement said they will continue to exhaust every legal avenue available to them to right this horrific wrong, including requesting that the Director of Public Prosecutions review their case and start preparing their cases for civil litigation. These findings are unjust, contradictory and blatantly disregard the law. They need to be urgently reviewed by the DPP and the courts, said Jeremy King, Principal Lawyer of RGL. IBAC's findings today concerning the police raid on the Hares and Hyenas store are disappointing, legally contradictory and galling. This sets a dangerous precedent for policing in Victoria. It is yet another example of the under-resourced and broken police complaint system, RGL stated. Demopolis, who suffered a serious injury at the incident, expressed his disappointment, stating, I am bitterly disappointed and angry about these contradictory and unjust findings. Co-owner of Hairs and Hyenas, Roland Thompson, said these findings are gut-wrenching, wishy-washy and heartbreaking. Today is a dark day for us and the community, with his partner and other co-owner, Crusader Hills, adding that the findings were reflective of a deeply unjust system. Last year, Hairs and Hyenas received the Globe Community Awards for Excellence in Business, awarded for creating a space that is more than just an LGBTIQA plus bookshop. It's a cafe, performance venue and a vital community hub. Owners Roland Thompson and Crusader Hills were given a standing ovation as they came forward to accept the award. Thompson took to the podium to reflect on the police mistakenly raiding their business and hospitalising one of their residents. We saw how the community came together for us, he said. And although it was not homophobic itself, it affected a lot of people, which showed us how our business is close to people's hearts. The methods by Victoria Police that have been put in place with LGBTI liaison officers, An apology which has just happened and marching in Pride March are one thing, but there needs to be a lot more proactivity happening, especially targeted towards the trans community and people of colour. It is not enough for there to just be liaison officers. There has to be some extremely proactive measures that can start the healing for these people. On Thursday, when IBAC's statement was made, Ro Allen, Victoria's Gender and Sexuality Commissioner, stated on Facebook, Most days I'm coping with isolation. But today, like all of you, I'd like to go down to Hares and Hyenas and give the boys a hug. I know you'd all like to do that as well, but please don't go down. We'll need to show our support in other ways. If you want to show how you feel, please head to their Facebook page with your messages of support. Please, don't tie up the Hares and Hyenas phone line with your calls. They need it to be able to conduct their business. They've done so well implementing social distancing and keeping their shop open at this time. If you really want to help them, don't drop in for a visit. Buy a book or a book voucher.
3: Dina Curie ending that report. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. the informer daily on joy 94.9 and across australia on the community radio network welcome back nicholas camenu has a really interesting book suggestion this week here's nick
1: so i want to talk about a debut novel by a tasmanian author the novel is flames the author is robbie arnott and the setting is modern day tasmania But in a magical realist kind of way. Now, for those of you who don't know, magical realism is a genre that emerged out of Latin American cultures, South America specifically. And it's up for debate whether or not a Western author can write magical realist stories because the genre is so closely tied with South American culture. But, you know, there are a lot of elements to this book that are borrowed from magical realism. There are a lot of sensibilities about it. Specifically, the novel is set in reality. The people are realistic humans, but it draws from a lot of spiritual and magical aspects. That's kind of the crux of magical realism is it's set in reality. The story is Supposedly realistic, but it incorporates magical elements, and those magical elements are portrayed as very grounded. So it's kind of giving us a picture of the world if we were all just familiar with spiritual and magical stuff happening. But there aren't really rules to this. So if you think about a typical fantasy setting, or I should say a typical Western fantasy setting, there can be a lot of systemization of magic. You know, you have particular spells that do particular things with incantations and very, very strict rules around what the magic does and what it even can do. Whereas in a magical realist setting, magic doesn't really have rules. You might have heard this be described as a soft magic system, uh, but this is more like a no magic system. Like the magic just has no rules. They're just, they just don't exist. They're not even made up on the spot. It's just... The magic does what it does. There are spirits, there are gods. The main character, Charlotte McAllister, leaks flames. What that means, I leave it up to you, but she leaks flames, that is how the novel describes it. So Charlotte McAllister is part of the McAllister line. So the reason why Charlotte McAllister has these weird flame-leaking properties is because at some point, one of her ancestors unknowingly had children with essentially a fire spirit and ever since then the women of the McAllister family have this thing where they leak flames and eventually it's said they always burst into flames and die and then they come back and die again And but that time they're dead permanently it's a little bit weird, the magic doesn't follow strict rules but basically she is leaking these flames And her brother, who knows about the McAllister curse, essentially, he decides to reassure her in his own special way by commissioning a coffin to be made for her. To basically say, when you die, it'll be fine. I'll have the coffin at the ready. And Charlotte thinks this is a little bit weird. In fact, it might be even a little bit scary. And she's like, what on earth is my brother trying to signal to me? So she reasonably enough, runs away. Um, And the novel essentially follows her story as she hikes across the countryside, arrives at a farm, uh, this very remote, very isolated farm out in a place called Mililuca, and essentially becomes a farmhand as a way to try and sort of wait out the days until her flames consume her. Meanwhile, Levi McAllister continues his project of making... Uh, his sister a coffin, uh, commissions a wood craftsman who is one of the rudest characters in all of fiction and also hires a detective to track down his sister and bring her home. And there are a lot of converging stories in this novel that come together to tell this grand epic narrative of this woman, Charlotte McAllister, who has to get her... Flames under control. Now the flames are tied to her emotions. So a lot of it is essentially a personal spiritual journey for Charlotte. Um and this is sort of how the magical realism is incorporated into it. Like the struggle for McAllister is very grounded. It's very, you know, sort of down to earth. It's trying to get control over her emotions. Uh, because she is a very emotional person. She's emotionally rich and what I love about this novel is that it doesn't imply that like getting her emotions under control means suppressing them. It just sort of it has its own sort of personal meaning for Charlotte. It's sort of taking ownership over her emotions, recognizing what they are and why she's having them and then directing them towards something that She has control over, and the flames are not something that necessarily have to be done away with. She can take control of that too, because they are hers. It's about taking ownership over your own spirituality, over your own emotionality, and over any like power over the real world that you may have. It's a you know kind of a personal growth story in a sense, and it's also a personal growth story a little bit for Levi because. At some point through the novel, he becomes essentially possessed. Um, And he just starts cutting down trees to try and make the perfect coffin. And he's got this sort of single-minded obsession about him. Not not out of any personal flaws, mind you. He is actually possessed by, like, a spirit of the land. And that's another thing that I should say, is that the spiritual and unrealistic aspects of this novel are just worn completely on their sleeve. Um, one thing that I actually do love is the novel's narrator kind of makes you second-guess everything all the time, especially early on. So the narrator is what's called polyphonic. Polyphonic literally means many voices. This is very different from a multi-perspective narrator. So a multi-perspective narrator does what it says on the tin. It's basically a third-person omniscient narrator where... Sometimes you'll focus on one character, sometimes you'll focus on another character, but the narrator can sort of swap between telling different character stories. A polyphonic narrator literally adopts a different voice. If you think of a novel like Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, some chapters are told by the grandchild, some chapters are told by the granddad, some chapters are told by the grandmother. Now, that's a very straightforward example. It's different characters telling different stories. In Flames, sometimes the narrator is first person, sometimes they're third person, sometimes they tell it in past tense, sometimes it's in present tense, sometimes it's an objective voice, sometimes it's a non-objective voice. And every chapter, every single one, swaps the style in which the story is told, to the point where... Early on, you might assume that this is a short story collection. Like, that's what happened with me. I assumed that this was just a completely disparate short story collection where each story just adopts a completely different narrator, tells a different story. But slowly, as the novel goes on, I realized that all of these stories were converging into one larger narrative about the McAllister siblings. And it was absolutely a fun, rich experience, it remains completely engaging from beginning to end. There is not a moment that this novel gets boring. There was not a moment where I felt like the novel wasn't going anywhere. It was just absolutely fascinating and it kept me second-guessing. Like, even as I was getting to the end chapters... I was second guessing everything. This novel is impossible to predict. It's so much fun to read. I'd recommend it honestly just for the just for the strangeness of it and the absolute like fascination that you can get trying to follow this story. I I love this novel. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you want to pick it up. It's a Tasmanian novel. I've actually, when I was in London in March of last year, I went into the Blackwell's bookstore in Oxford and I saw that they had copies. So it's quite a widely available novel by now. And I just think it's absolutely fabulous. If you've never heard of it before, Flames by Robbie Arnott, Tasmanian author, absolutely outstanding first novel. Uh, I highly recommend it. And I hope that You enjoy it if you decide to pick it up.
3: Thanks, Nick. That's all for us this week. We've been on air daily for a month as of today. We started as a weekly one-hour show in the past and have changed to daily to address the needs of groups that aren't really being talked about, especially in the LGBTIQA plus community. We'd love to hear your feedback, though. Uh, Theinformer at joy.org.au is our email address. I'd like to thank the whole Daily Informer team, producer Nicholas kamenu newsreader Dee Mason, and former Daily intern Emily Johnson, reporter Dina Curie, entertainment reporter Frock Hudson, JOY94.9's program director Rachel Tyler-Jones, production director Jordan Johnstone, and JOY CEO Ange Berry. And of course, Maca, the JOY board president. Thanks all to your huge help in getting this show together that is being produced in my lounge room. And we're leaving you today with a new single out from Tash Sultana, Pretty Lady. I'm your host and executive producer, Arian Potts. We'll be back on Monday. Mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs>
1: The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au, and of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member
0: or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community powered radio. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024.